Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I have been thinking about teaching about parenting for a long time, but never get to it. But after this Father's Day, I would like to teach a series on parenting. Don't take me wrong, I'm not a perfect dad. I still have a lot of things to grow and change myself. We all are not perfect. There are no perfect dads in the world except God the Father himself. We are still learning, growing, changing. So we are not teaching this to condemn anybody or to make people feel bad, but It's the truth of God that we can learn and develop in our Christian walk, including in the area of parenting. As I prepared the lesson, I'm learning as well and want to change as well. So it's good to learn the principle from the Bible. I want to thank God for creating not only the natural family, but we also have the spiritual family. I believe that the natural family will be strong If that family is connected to a very strong spiritual family, because all of us can be mentor and can see good example from the previous generation, the young dad in this room, maybe you just turned 25 and you got married and you start to have kids, you can look at some spiritual father who has raised kids before. What they do, they do see example from all these people in the church. I never consider the church of God as an organization to come to go through religious ceremony and then done people give money in the bucket and leave. I consider the church as a family. So we have the natural family there in each home and we have a big spiritual family that wife can learn from another wife. And dad can learn from another dad. The support in the church really helped to build the natural family. So I believe totally to build both strong physical or natural family and the spiritual family at the same time. Both of them really help each other. If you have strong natural family, the church will be strong. If you have very strong church, very spiritual and mature, triumphant church, you're going to have strong family in the church as well. They depend on each other. Today, I would like to talk about the fathers, and because it's a father day. And I want to talk about the father's mandate, mandatory thing that fathers need to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful time that we can learn your word and we can grow together. And I know, Father, the single and the moms in this room can learn the same principle. And some of them have not been married or have kids, but they can prepare themselves for parenting so that they will not make years of mistake and they will start right the right way in their parenting as a young couple. Father, we ask for the Holy Spirit to teach us and to empower us to be able to do what we learn from your scripture, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I know for sure that I cannot finish this teaching today 
because it's a long message. But I will continue next time. So I will continue to teach in series. Our church like to teach things into series: series of demonology, series of the fire of God, series of reigning, series of healing. Because we want God's people to learn things in a very detailed and deep way. We love the Word of God. When a baby was born, the question is: What will his or her relationship with his or her father become throughout? A lifetime ahead. That is a good question. When your baby is born, what kind of relationship you are building with your baby, with your kids? Unfortunately, many men in the world never move beyond a condition called a biological relationship. It means the baby has your genetic transferring. They have your chromosome. Half of your chromosome goes to the baby. Another half come from the wife. They look like you. They have the same kind of nose. My kids always say, "Oh, I like to have mom's nose, not your nose." <laughs> They have the same hairstyle. They have the same way you're walking. The voice. Actually, a lot of people who look at me, they say that you talk like your dad. You, the way you move, the way you smile, you look like your dad. It's a biological relationship. That is the most basic of the relationship between dad and kids. The second level of relational commitment between the father and the children is the father's ability to provide, to protect, and to satisfy the needs of the children. And that is the second level, which is good. Before you get married, you make sure you can feed your wife. You can have income to pay bills, to be able to send your kid to school. You don't just come out from the school and have no money and have still your hands still like this to your dad and say, "Give me money, give me money," and you say, "I'm going to get married right now. I'm going to have kids." You cannot even provide for yourself. How can you have kids? You need to be able to provide to protect, and that is a second level which is good. And it's mentioned in the Bible, but the third level, which is the highest level of relational commitment that Christian fathers and children should develop, is the quality and quantity of mutual trust and loyalty between the two. It's a spiritual relationship, the trust of the children in the dad, that the children would trust their father. Every Christian father should pursue not just only biological relationship, not only the provision and the protection relationship, but also the highest level of relationship, which is trust, loyalty, and commitment. Some reports suggest that the average father spend less than seven minutes a day with his children. Why a man can be physically away from home because he has to work? Some people may work 16 hours a day. It's equally dangerous when a father is physically at home, but mentally is about 100 miles away from the home. Both of them are dangerous in parenting. You may be physically sitting there, but your mind is somewhere else, and you never connect to your children, and that is dangerous as well. In America, 
We live in a very complex society. We deal with transportation, YouTube, website, Google, education, investigation. I noticed that yesterday I asked a question: If I hold American passport and I want to go to China, uh, do I need the visa? I just raised the question. Somebody pull up the smartphone. Google, Google, and only two minutes. Yes, you need a visa. So we are in the generation of communication, informations, education, leisure time, finances, and transportation. Because we are putting under this pressure, we are the society of schedule, time schedule, and time organization and daily planning. We put. Into the planning. For example, when I walk into my office, I saw my list. Every 15 minutes, a patient show up. I'm fighting against time. Every if a patient talk to me more than 15 minutes, I look at the clock. Next patient, three patient out there waiting for me, but I cannot chase my patient out because they want to keep talking. So now it means it eat up into my lunch time. So because we are controlled by time schedule and organization. We are people of time orientation, and that time orientation of our life spill into the family life. I need to make an appointment to see my wife now. For example, okay, seven to eight, I will talk to my wife. After that, eight to nine, I prepare my sermon. So the time orientation of time allocation and schedule come into the family life, and then that spill into parenting. That you have limited time to take care of your children, you become a slave to your clock. You look at the clock, so you talk to your children for ten minutes, and then you look at the clock. I have appointment to talk to another pastor in another town. I need to Skype somebody. Then the children cannot talk to you anymore because you are controlled by the schedule of your life. I want to give you first the wrong way of parenting that a lot of people in our society are doing. Our society measure success in a tangible way. For example, how well you provide, how much money you can leave an inheritance to your children, how big a house you have for your children, how many bedroom, how many car garage. You measure everything by the tangible success. How high? What is the grade in the school that your children can make? A plus, or A four plus? What? What is their performance in their sport at the school? How good they can play music in the music class? You measure success by looking at the tangible level, and that pressure come around you that you want to put that requirements in your parenting. Because people look at you and say, "Okay, uh, are you a good dad? Do you buy the house for your kids? Do you buy the car and they can get on the car to go to school?" You try to be approved by people that you are such a good dad by looking at a tangible success and outcome. Therefore, the father and child relationship rarely progress beyond material and provision and protection. Dad, busy. With providing, mom was left alone to raise the children, and some people even quote 
Mom is the one who carries the baby in the womb by herself. So by principle, the mom has to raise kids by herself. And I'm going to go out and work to make money and give provision to my family. So the many dads just leave the mom to raise the kids alone. Actually, God never mean that way from the scripture. Don't take me wrong. Provision and protection is biblical. Because the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Provision and protection are good. We cannot ignore it. We still need to provide for our kids. We still need to give protection to our children. However, if that is all about in your parenting, you miss a big part that God wants you to develop. And that is the duty or the mandate of the father to establish the trusting relationship. And I'm going to explain to you in a few minutes. The trusting relationship between you and your children. Your children never see God. They don't know God yet. The only person that they know about God true is you. If they don't trust you, they're going to run to the TV. They're going to run to the worldly book. They're going to run to their friend and get opinion from their ungodly and worldly friends. And that's why many children in America, when they arrive the college age, they all disappear from the church. Because that relationship with the father is very weak. They don't trust their father enough to listen to the word of God, to the biblical value from the mouth and from the example of life from the father. That's why this teaching is important because God said to Adam, be fruitful and fill the earth, subdue it. What it means, it means not only to expand the garden of Eden, the place of prosperity and blessing of God, but it also means you multiply godly offspring who knows God, who love God, who serve God all the days of their life. If you watch in the Bible carefully, you will find one characteristic of everybody that God chose to have the blessing of Adam. One of the characteristics of those people, I'm going to teach, continue to teach the series called The Blessing later on. And I want to share with you a little bit. Everybody who was chosen by God to receive the blessing before Jesus came into the world, okay? This is in the Old Testament. Everybody has one same characteristic that is the father who wants to teach their children. Abraham, David. Everybody who really wants to take God's principle and God's value seriously and want to pass into their children, God bless them. Because God knows that this parent, this dads, gonna pass on the blessing to their children. So this teaching is very important because now you're going to wake up and say, it's not enough just, have to, just to have the biological relationship. Not enough just to have provision and protection relationship. But that you need to build the third level of relationship, the trusting and loyalty relationship. We talk about quality time. We talk about quantity time. In this generation, when we talk about quantity and quality time, many times... The focus is about time. Because we have 
24 hours a day filled with schedule. Meet this person, meet that customer, talk on the phone, do this, do that, run errand. We all fill our day of whatever hour. If you sleep six hours a day, you have 18 hours to fill up your time slot, the time allocation. And then your focus is about, I'm going to spend time, quality and quantity time with my children. And your focus is about fulfilling that slot. You sit there, you play, you throw ball with your kids. Okay, I just fulfill my slot of time that I spend with my children. And you feel so good. Wow, I'm a good dad. I already spend quantity time. I go out to play football with them, kick football. I go out camping with them. I go out to play tennis with them. You do something with them to kill time. And you think it's a quality time because I do something. It's not done to sit in front of the TV, watching TV together. You do something together. So your first priority is try to fulfill the time allocation on your time schedule. But you miss something. It's not about walking with your children on the street with a dog and go out and walk with the dog. Again, I'm not a perfect dad, okay? I'm teaching you the truth. I need to change to myself. It's not just about walking the dog with your kids. But the most important thing about spending time with your kids is what you get out of that. It's not just about kicking football on the field. But what do you get out of that quantity and quality time? Just spending time is not the goal. But relationship is the goal. Trust and loyalty must be birthed out of that time. You don't just spend time just for the sake of spending time. If you just focus on action, on doing something together, and focus on the tangible success of your parenting, how much time you spend, how you just make sure they do well in the school to get grade A. You just focus on the tangible success. When you forget about relationship and trust, you may regret it later on. You need to also focus on building, trusting relationship. We need to ask ourselves as parents this question. Do my children trust me? Do they ask me advice or they ask the mom for advice? Do they dare come to me when they face personal very personal, vulnerable issues that they cannot share with anybody. Do they dare to come to you for any godly advice or they run to their friend at school? Do your children trust you enough to talk to you? Building a trusting relationship with our children should be the first consideration as fathers, not just playing game with your kids. Playing game is good, but more than just playing game, you need to use that quantity and quality time to build trust. I'm going to teach you eight things you can do to build trusting relationship between you and your children. All relationships on earth here depend on the word trust and loyalty, including family relationships. The reason I can give 
the key car key to my kids to drive out of my house when their mom is not around because I trust them that they can handle my car. The same reason they will come to me to ask me about some difficult issue of their life because they trust me. They know that they're going to receive godly advice, sincere, honest, and mean well to them. The bridge of trust causes our children to accept our faith. They look at us, they trust us and say, my dad believe in Jesus. My dad go to church. I trust his decision to believe in Jesus. Therefore, I want to believe in Jesus too. You see why? Now I'm coming. I'm coming to the point that your kids are going to run away from God or not. It depends on how much they trust your decision. I pray that my kids will trust my decision that I build the church and I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. They will trust you enough to listen to your values. When you give a comment, when you say something, they listen and they say, yes, I trust your value, your biblical value. They trust you enough to listen to your sayings and listen to your, the word of God that you speak from your mouth instead of, oh, dad, preach to me again. I don't care what you preach to me. I don't want to listen to you anymore. You're just a hypocrite. I don't want to listen to you. Do they trust your word? Do they trust the word of God that come out from your mouth? You can have two choices in parenting. Number one, actually three choices. Number one, ignoring. Two, forcing. Authoritarian. Or being a good example and have the trusting relationship. Loyalty. The loyal relationship between you and your children. How do we build a bridge of trust between we and our children? And I know this principle applies to mom too, and to spiritual father as well in the church. What can we do to help our children to come to the point that they completely trust us in every decision we make? There are eight mandates and duties for fatherhood. That we need to cultivate to build that trust. Are you interested to hear? You want to know how to build that trust? Number one, a father must cultivate a sense of family identity. A family identity. I want to read the scripture to you in Joshua chapter 24 verse 15. Joshua declare his family identity. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was so clear. Our family identity is that we love God and we're going to serve the Lord. I remember when I started this church in year 1988. I sat down with my wife. I talked to Tanida. Joy was not born yet. I say that God called dad to be a pastor. To start the church from zero ground in my basement of the house. And I want you, both of you, to agree with this family identity. Our family identity is that this family... We are pastor, 
and we build the church. I may not speak the same way like Joshua, but the same meaning. I and you will be in the church every Sunday. Golfing, skiing on Sunday is out of the window for my family. Sunday is God's day. We're going to be in the church no matter what. We will never compromise. And Pastor Da say, Amen. Tani Da say, Amen. Since that day, we have been in the church every Sunday. That is our family identity. You know, people may have identity in a different way. Some family, their identity is about playing golf every Sunday. Some family, the identity is to build a big house and waterfront house and more car, more sport car and all this expensive car. Their identity is about material. But I hope that your identity, your family identity is to live for Christ. Amen? We have three choices that I mentioned about. Number one, Saula, I may go only one topic today. The time is running out. Permissive parenting. Permissive parenting fosters independence at the expense of the family unit or the family identity. What does it mean, permissive parenting? Dad say, whatever you want to do is up to you. Then the whole family, everybody, the wife and the kids, will do what is right in his or her own eyes. Oh, I like to do this, I'm going to do this. I like to do this, I'm going to do this. It's not a family unit that do things together. No identity. Everyone has its own identity. It causes fragmentation in the family. And it causes big problem. Because everyone is so independent. I do what I want. You do what you want. And this is a sad story. Many Christian families break down, lose their kids because the dad never say this is the identity of our family. And eventually, that family becomes fragmented. The second kind of parenting we call authoritarian parenting. Authoritarian parenting forces kids and wife to do what he wants. He uses authority. He forces, he uses forces and money to control everybody. You can produce a temporary facade of family identity, but after the kids grow up, what happens? the kids will eventually leave God and leave the family, become fragmented again. But the biblically balanced parenting is Christ-centered family. That that family build the family identity that has Christ as a center, like a triangle. Christ, dad, and mom. What does it mean? It means that you build a family of devotion. You, dad, devote yourself to your wife. You devote yourself to your kids. You devote to build them up in a godly way by love, by example, not by force, not by controlling people or manipulation or uh, use some kind of bad word to, to make people feel bad. But you love, you devote yourself. And the result of this relationship is trust, loyalty, commitment, you do by your action, you commit by action, you show your devotion by your action. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 30, Husbands, love your wife, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself 
for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So, husbands, dads, ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Devotion, love and devotion. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. I come to church not because I have to follow religion. I come to church because Jesus loved me first. I devote myself to God's kingdom because Jesus, my husband, my father, devote himself to me first. When your kids notice that you love them just as Christ loved the church, nourishes, love, devotion, that builds trust. I really trust my God. I trust Jesus. I trust my Father in heaven. Not because he just banged me with the Bible and said, you have to trust me. No. I trust my God because he was so good to me. He devoted himself. He died for me. He shed his blood for me. He's a good father. He's a good dad to me. He sent his son to die for me. So the family that built on the foundation of God's love, like Jesus did to the church, devotion, will build that loyalty and trust that you want to see. Then your kids will notice that, oh, we are here together because God put us together here. Oh, we are here together to represent Christ to the world together. Christ is the center. We are here together to follow God's standard together. We're going to produce mutual accountability. In order to do that, I think I need to end the sermon soon. I want to make, give you some practical thing about how to build the identity of the family as a dad. Dad, verbalizing your commitment is very important. I came from Chinese background and I learned one thing about wrong thing about Chinese culture is no talk. Just keep your mouth shut and just do it. And that is not biblical. And I'm talking from being raised in the Chinese family. I learned from the Bible that if I want to build trust in my family and build cohesiveness and commitment to Christ, I need to be assertive or be serious about leading my family, not only in action, but with my words. The children need to know that I am on board with the family. And they shall be on board with me. I need to step in and don't leave the responsibility of leading the family to my wife. I need to hold a flag, assertive. I become assertive. I take action. And I need to speak it up, not just action alone. Your kids will always have doubt about your leadership. That you lead them to Christ if you keep your mouth shut. You need to open your mouth. You need to look excited, enthusiastic. You need to look zealous and say, Hey, son, daughter, I am on board. We're going to build like 
what Joshua did. Joshua opened his mouth and said, "I." You know, he did not just keep quiet and think in his heart and stop. He, from his heart, he opened his mouth and said, "Hey, guy, choose now." But I choose, and he was speaking in front of his kids and his wife. I and my house will build, will serve the Lord. The dad need to hold that flag of leadership and open your mouth and say, remind your kids on a regular basis, son and daughter, we're gonna love God together. We're gonna serve God together. We're gonna build a kingdom. God's teaching. And truth gonna be the value in this house. Gonna be the standard in this house. I'm so proud of your mom. She's a godly woman. I'm so proud that you serve God with me. You give word of encouragement. You speak it. You confirm by your words because everybody need leadership to confirm to speak up. The kids need to hear that from the mouth of the dad. Amen. Show in action. Zealous. Excited. And speak to them. Sometimes you sit down in dinner time, and you just talk face to face. This is what we plan to do. I like to do that sometimes during vacation. When we go to vacation together, we just sit and talk during dinner and say, you know, we love God, we serve God. When our kids were small, they were sitting in the back of the car, and my wife would talk about it. I talk about it. We're gonna pay tithe today. We're not gonna cheat God. We will love God. We talk. We need to open our mouth and speak that they can hear. Because otherwise, lingering question will be in that little heart: Is my dad serious about God? What he is leading us to? Only he care about his construction. He's making money, and he want to build his bank account. That's all he want. They need to hear from your mouth. We will serve the Lord together. We will love the church. God is my center, and they need to hear that. Hearing the dad talk about the family adds credibility to his role of leadership, and give security and confidence and trust and loyalty to the little heart of your children. Dad, today I want to encourage you. Not just stay at biological relationship, not stay at provision relationship, but go beyond that to build trust and relationship. Today we learn the first principle out of eight principle. I don't know how how many weeks I can have to teach this one for only that alone. We need to be clear verbally and in action our family identity. I and my house will serve the Lord. Christ. Is the center of this house. The Bible is a standard of this house. We're gonna build the house of God together. We're gonna build. We sing a song, Elijah, Elijah, and David. And David, the, the song said, David built the temple of praise. Wow! When I read that, yes, I'm gonna build the temple of praise in Seattle and all over the world. I'm gonna be like Elijah and Elijah and Ezekiel in this generation. Amen. Dad. Are you convinced to be that kind of dad? Leadership, amen. Make the dad stand up. I will pray for you, and we give you a gift from this church as a token of love from New Hope International Church to all the dads in this room. All the dads stand up. How many dads make a commitment that you're gonna do this? What you learned today from the Bible? Everyone say the highest level. 
of relationship, commitment, trust. I will speak to my kids, my family identity. I will be a godly leader in my house. In Jesus' name, Amen. Oh Father, I pray as a spiritual father of this house, stretch out my hand to bless all of your men in this house, Lord. We believe, Lord, if these men are strong. To be strong, godly, loving, wise leadership in their home, they shall be pillar in the church as well. They will produce godly offspring. They will leave the legacy, spiritual legacy, to their children, not just financial legacy. And they will bless their children, to grandchildren and great grandchildren, to the thousand generations. I pray, Father, that even though We are not strong enough, even though we are weak people, even though we make mistake in the past, and we may make mistake again. But I pray that the Holy Spirit will empower us, will help us to be a better godly dad according to the Bible, Lord. From today on, you change us and transform us not only by your word but by your Holy Spirit. To make us to be the kind of dad that you really please with, Lord, help us, Lord, that we will train our children very well, and all the children in this house will never walk away from God. Even the time of college, they will serve God, and they will be better than this generation. Bless them, give them grace, give them blessing, give them all the provision and finances to raise their children and wisdom and. Favor and all the good things from heaven upon their life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching. And today, I would like to finish or preach the second message regarding the Father's mandate. On the Father's Day, a couple of weeks ago, I started. To teach about the father's mandate, and I would like to review a little bit. When your children were born, you have to think about one of the most important relationship that you can have with your children. Most of the fathers do not think about the highest level of relationship with their children. The most basic relationship is the biological relationship. Your kids look like you. They walk like you. They talk like you. They receive the chromosome or the genetic influence from your body. And the second level of relationship, which is also the basic one, the, the second level, is the relational commitment of the father's ability to provide, to protect, and to also satisfy the needs of his children. But what we need to pursue as godly fathers, also the third or the highest relational commitment between you and your children. This relationship depends on the mutual trust and loyalty between you and your children. In the last session, I have mentioned about 
one of the eight duties that the father should practice in his home, and that is to cultivate a strong sense of family identity. I read from the book of Joshua, chapter twenty-four, when Joshua verbally expressed his desire for his family identity. He said, "But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord." As a godly father, you need to include your children into the family identity. That is to have Christ as a center. And we will serve the Lord. We will build the kingdom. We live our life for the kingdom. You need to engage into that activity. You are not just a spectator, but you verbally express your desire into their ears. They need to hear from you that you desire to build a family identity. You are on board with them. You are in the same boat with them. And they need to see you are actively and zealously and enthusiastically involved in serving the Lord and building the family together. You just continually encourage them and talk good about your wife. That we are here together because God put us here together. Now I would like to talk about actually seven more duties of the father who will build the. Quality, trusting relationship with his children. Let's look at the second duty in Colossians chapter three, verse nineteen. Husband, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. In order to build a trusting relationship, your marriage should be like a stage upon which the performance of love and trust is acted. And put in front of the eyes of your children. Your children are watching your marriage, your relationship with their mother. So, a father must demonstrate an ongoing love for his wife. Children desire to see the demonstration of love between their parents. They want. To have the confidence that that father is tremendously in love with their mother. It's not enough just to spend quality time of hiking, helping with the homework, or uh, skating together, or swimming together. Even though you spend all those time with your children, or even provide with a lot of material things and money, but if they notice that you are very harsh. Very mean and unforgiving to your wife or their mother. All of those activities will be nullified by your unloving action. Loving your spouse is a very important factor in building trust in the heart of your children, and this is one of the greatest emotional needs of all the children in the world. Therefore, if you want to give the best gift to your children, love your wife and treat her with respect, and show love to your wife on a regular basis. This kind of loving demonstration will build the security in the hearts of those little ones in your family. That is number two. Let's look at the third duty. 
Colossians chapter 3 verse 21 The Bible say fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged The Bible teaches not to discourage our children and in order to avoid discouraging our children we need to understand that our children is also a human being who has his or their private world. We need to respect and understand their private worlds. What does it mean, the private world of a person? All of the human beings are living in the three worlds. The first one we call the public one, the public world. The second one, the personal world. And number three, the private world. Our public world includes much of our time away from home, such as at the workplace or in the social activity with people that are not close to us. In this world, we allow us to keep our relationship with other people at a safe distance. People may not know everything about our life. We just keep some distance. What is the personal world? Our personal world where we live or spend time among our close friends and relatives, our close relatives that we trust, or our brother and sister in the same church that we know them well. In such settings, we are more relaxed because we know that they are not going to hurt us or they are not going to destroy our reputation. And we are more vulnerable because we open our life more than the public world. But it is also a private world where only God knows what is going on. The private world is the most secret area of our life. It's where we can be who we are when other people don't see. At one moment, we can become so bold in our heart, but at another time, we are so fearful. In this private world, sometimes we feel overwhelmingly discouraged. But at another time, we joyfully sing songs and feel so happy. We can be anxious at one moment and we are at peace with life at another moment. It is a place of the personal thoughts that no one knows about. It's a place of the personal vision and hopeful dreams. Only God knows about our private world, which is on the inside of us. No one will know our private world until we open our door and invite people to come in to learn and understand about our private world. Our children have their own private world as well. But their private world is constantly changing and developing because they are growing and they're learning new things. Regarding this issue, we need to understand that there is a phenomena called an open window. I give you an example. One day, your child has been out in the yard playing all day, came back into the house. Your child really feels tired and 
needs some attention. He put on the pajamas. He took a good shower and settled in the bed. At that time, you walk in and give a hug and a kiss, and at that moment, your child has an open window and want to share something in his heart and invite you in. It's a vulnerable moment that he can be rejected or he can be accepted by you. When a child is willing to share the issues of his heart, a dad should be ready to receive their comments on their concerns. When your children invite you to come in, you should be ready to open your mind and your heart and your spirit to hear instead of ignoring and walk away. If you do that, you walk away and you don't show any interest in your child's vulnerable and concern and issue, vulnerable situation in his life, he will not build confidence and trust in you. But you're willing to give advice if he is open to it. You're willing to show care and concern. The confidence and the trust will be built in your child's heart. And if you can prove that you are very trustworthy in receiving and respecting your child's concern and challenges in life, when they grow up to be teenagers, when they grow up to be adult, they will run to you, not to the world. And they will run to God because they know that their God really received advice from the Heavenly Father. So that's number three. Respect and understand your child's private role. The fourth duty of a godly father is to keep his promise. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, 36 to 37, the Bible says, Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. The Bible says that we need to keep our word, yes mean yes, no mean no. Do you know that your children hang on to every word you say to them? Perhaps one day you are so tired and you pick them up from school on the winter time, snow on the road, and you just mention to them, wow, I would like to take you to Hawaii next winter so that we can spend time at the beach together. And I will save some money and we go to Hawaii together. Do you know that what you say is registered into their brain? And they remember. If you don't want to break that little heart in your children's life, you need to keep your promise. If you don't keep your promise, they may not trust you in the future. Are you characterized by your children as a godly man who keeps his promises? Or they always think that dad just say things, but he never do it anyway. If you are considered by your children as a man of integrity and keep the promise, of course, one day when you face a legitimate 
emergency and you could not fulfill your promise, your kids will understand you and they will forgive you because they know that by your trend of habit, you always keep your promise. And this is important because keeping promises is essential in building trust between you and your children. So that's not the fourth duty. Keep your promise with your children. Let's look at the fifth duty of a father. A father must give freedom to his children to fail sometime. This sounds very un-American because in the American culture, we love to be winner. We love to be victor. We don't want to fail. But it's biblical that we can sometimes face trial, disappointment, and hardships and failure. We need to appreciate failure sometimes because the failure can be the stepping stone to the success in the future. When you or your children fail, you and your children can learn a good lesson from God so that you will not make mistake again. Your children need to have the confidence that you view their failure as the stepping stone to their success instead of being condemned or being put down upon. Failure with great effort is acceptable. So as long as you encourage your children to do the best they can and they fail, it's okay. Just encourage them. But failure without effort is not acceptable. So what you need to teach your children is that, hey, son, daughter, you do the best you can, and if you fail, that understand. Some fathers have a wrong attitude toward failure of their children, and that kind of wrong attitude of condemnation will prevent their children from stretching themselves to their full potential. You need to understand that our God, the Father, has given every single person, including your children, the potential, the power, the full range of possibility that people can reach to the max. But if you keep condemning them when they fail, they will draw back because they don't want to displease their father. They don't want to hear negative, sarcastic, and hurtful statements from their father instead of saying hurtful words and make them feel that they are not accepted by you, make them feel that you are not pleased with them and you are not proud of them, you should give this opportunity to be an encouraging time. Instead of blaming, you encourage them. Every godly spirit-filled father should have an eye of faith. Don't look at this current circumstance, but have faith in God that God can help your children to do better next time. And your God can teach them through the failure a good lesson that they can learn and they will not make any more mistake. So when your children fail, you can see, son, our God is a gracious God. He's so powerful. Let's pray together that next time He will help you and you're going to do better. 
What does God teach you in this time of your failure? Let them learn from God. Let them have trust in God. Let them know that their Father trusts God for them and pray together. And when they see the good outcome of that prayer and faith, they will eventually trust your God as well, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Your children want you to be pleased with them and to be proud of them. The Bible says clearly that all the difficulties and disappointment and hardships sometimes build our character and it's good for us. I thank God for many failures that I face in my ministry and parenting because now I can understand the younger parents and can help them. Now I can understand the young pastor who started the ministry and I can help them go through all the difficulties and teach them to prevent themselves from a failure. Romans chapter 8 verse 8, the Bible says, And we know that all things, including failures, work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to His purpose. Tell your children, it's okay, we failed this time, but God is good. He's going to make everything good at the end anyway. Encourage them. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 4. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. When they fail, they learn how to be humble, to depend on God, to be loved by their Father, and they can learn how to depend on God next time. It will build their character and perseverance. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You see again, the failure, the disappointment, the setback in life, if we respond it in a godly way by faith, it will produce patience and character. We can teach our children about the failure of some character in the Bible, such as Joseph in the book of Genesis, chapter 37 to chapter 50. We can read the Bible with them and show them that Moses failed so many times, even though he received the prophetic dream from God to be the leader in society. He was put in jail. He was sold as a slave. He was forgotten by his friend. He faced many failures, but because Joseph responded to God in the right way, Eventually, God exalted him and blessed him. You can share with your children too about your failures, about your mistake in the past, and you can say, I totally understand you. I can share this feeling with you. So dad loved you. Let them know that your relationship with your children is not based on their success or failure, but it's based on unconditional love and commitment and loyalty so that they can trust you as well. You need to remember this. It is not the fear of failure that holds children back from pursuing the best maximum potential of their life. But the fear of failing 
or disappointing somebody, including the dad, hold them back. They put themselves back in the box, and they don't want to come out to do more because they are afraid of failure. So they want to do the minimum to get by, and they will not fail in that minimum to please you as a father. You need to encourage them to move on to the highest potential that God puts in their life. The sixth duty, Romans chapter one verse twelve. Romans one twelve. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. A father must be the encourager of the family. To be an encourager doesn't mean that you say a few words now and then. Real encouragement flows out of a loving, godly relationship. It is also about your very presence at the time of your children's need. Your smile, your expression that communicate approval and encouragement, and your love for them. Fathers need to be a source of encouragement because encouragement builds trust. Some of the practical way to show encouragement to your kids is to write a simple note, maybe three words, maybe ten words. You can write a simple note, text message, put the note in the line or in the email. Dad missed you. Dad loved you. Hope you have a supernatural day at school. See you when I get home. I miss you. It may not look important, but you know, in the hearts of your children, they feel that my dad is so thoughtful about me in his busy time. Wow! This encouraging writing word in the email or in the letter can be read again and again, and they feel that their dad care for them enough to write something to them. You can write a birthday card and send to them. Normally, children never have doubt about their mom's commitment to the family, but many children doubt the commitment of their father because the father is busy and have so many emergency things to do in that job. So, such gestures of writing a note, showing commitment, showing up, your smiling, your gesture of approval really show your devotion to your children. And this will be wonderful memories that they can build trust in you. Please take your children's need for encouragement seriously. And don't look at their major issue as a trivial issue. Because we have gone through life longer than them, we know that some issue is not a big deal. It passed, and everything go well anyway. But for them, it's emergency. It's like the whole world is falling down. It's so serious to them. You should not ignore. You should respond quickly. You should encourage them as soon as possible, because otherwise they will think that you don't care. 
you should seize the opportunity to encourage your children through their difficult times by imparting your experience, your presence, your smile, and your words of encouragement and godly advice. Your teenager may have a pimple on the face, and the whole world is falling apart. You should not say this is not a big deal. You should show care and concern to your teenager. Concern, amen. The seventh duty is recorded in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciple rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me. And later on in verse 16, the Bible says, And he took them up in his arms and put his hand on them and blessed them. First Thessalonians 2.8 We loved you so much that we share with you not only God's good news, but our own life too. The seventh duty of the dad is to routinely embrace his children. I'm talking about the context of the family. I'm not talking about friend at work. I'm not talking about friend at school. I'm not talking about the context of the church relationship, but the family relationship. In this context, we need to understand that a gentle hand of a father that holds his kid is very important. A tender hug of a dad to his child will communicate intimacy and commitment and security. A pat on the back or a goodnight kiss also communicate your love and your care to your children. Holding your children provides not only security in their heart, but it meets special emotional needs that somebody may try to give to your children when they start to grow up to be teenager. The devil may send a wrong person who try to meet their emotional need about the physical touch and they can get into wrong relationship. Every child is starving for physical affection. Even though you can give materials and time and everything, but your children still need the physical touch. I know that many dads forget about this because they have many responsibilities at their work. They have to face the urgent things in their life to the point that they forget about physical touch, hugging, kissing to the children. I noticed one thing in my Christian walk and in my church. We have the move of God and when the Holy Spirit come in and touch people, hug people, you feel the presence of God all over you. You feel so good. You know that God loved you. The hug of the Holy Spirit. And I admit to you that many Christians are addicted to the hug 
and to the touch of the Spirit. They love to come to the prayer line just to be hugged by God, to be touched by God and cry and feel the love of God. That's why I want the new believers to experience the touch of God as soon as possible so they will know the intimacy with God. They will understand how much God loves them. It's so important that we will not only provide the material things to our children, but we need to meet their emotional need. That is a routine hug from the dad. Hugging is very healthy. It helps the body immune system to get stronger. Hugging keeps you healthier. It kills depression and reduces stress. It induces sleep. That's why people like to go to massage. And have massage, you feel good, you feel soothing because of the touching and the, the physical touch. Actually, it reduces the pain when you get massage. And this is medical truth. It is rejuvenating. It has no unpleasant side effect that other medication or drugs can produce in your body, like nausea or feel oozy because of the medication. Hugging is nothing less than a miracle medication or drug. Hugging is all natural and organic and very sweet. It contains no pesticides, preservatives, or artificial ingredients or chemical, but is 100% organic and safe. Hugging is perfect. There are no movable parts that you have to repair or change, no batteries that will wear out, no periodic checkup in the car lot, no monthly payment, no insurance requirement. It's required no energy, but it gives a great return of a high energy yield. Hacking is also inflation-proof. The dollar value can go down, inflation, but the hacking never have problem with value. Hacking is also theft-proof. No one can steal it. It's non-taxable, non-polluting, and fully returnable. Therefore, Father, you need to learn how to Use your special arm, the tender arm, to hug your children, which give them security. The hug of the mom gives comforting, and your children are never too old to receive your kiss and hug. I grew up in a Chinese culture home, and I never received any hug from my father. Before I come to know God, I did not understand this issue. I repented. And I need to learn how to hug my children more to build trust and love between I and my children and also my spouse, my wife. Amen? So that's okay. The past is the past. We make mistakes. We grew up in a non-Christian home and many of us are the first generation Christians. So we did not have a great example from our non-Christian parents. But we can start today, start over to practice all this principle that we learn from the Bible. The last duty of a godly father 
to build the quality of trust in the heart of the, his children is that a father must build the relationship with his children on the foundation of God's word, not on human idea, on opinions or culture. Trust cannot be separated from truth. If you deal with deception and lies, you cannot trust. We need to bring truth to the relationship. John chapter 17, verse 17. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 27. Therefore, whoever hears this saying of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came. The winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended. The floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. It fell, and great was its fall. Let me ask this question. When a storm of life hit or piled on your home, your family, will anything be left after it passes? Will your homes stand after the storm and the rain and the wind? Without biblical truth, the family has no ultimate meaning or direction or foundation. I would like to encourage all the fathers who are listening to uh, this teaching to be the man of the Word of God. You need to know the Word. You need to study the Word. Listen to the anointed good teaching. You put the teaching into practice. You reflect the Word of God in your home. Your children, your wife will see you as a walking Bible. They will see God in you. You teach your kids the Word of God. You build your house on the basis of the biblical principle. Anything in our life starts with God and ends with God. That's why we call Jesus Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Your marriage starts with God. God is the center and the Word of God is the foundation in your marriage. You do the parenting, you raise your kids by depending on the truth of God. Pass that truth to your children after you sleep and leave this world to go to be in heaven. It's done, but your kids continue the word of God. Jesus is the Alpha and Omega to your home. Take your time to study the Bible. Help your kids to trust you by doing all these eight duties that I mentioned in these two teachings. A father's mandate is to be concerned first about the quantity and the quality of trust his children have in him. We must not only think about spending a lot of time, but we should think about relationships. And then you can guide your children to the way of God when your children trust you. Put this teaching into practice. 
the eight things you learn, the eight duties of building the bridge of trust, and you will build a strong, godly home. I would like to challenge all the men that listen to this teaching to be the man of God, fear God. I learned one thing after being a Christian for more than 30 years. The head of any organization or any group of people is very important. If the head fears God, love God, obey God, everyone under him or her will be blessed and will be protected. So make sure that you repent every day. Make sure that you allow God to change you first instead of blaming your wife or blaming your kids. If you are not a worshiper, become a worshiper. And your kids watch you that you are the worshiper, they will worship God as well. Live your life for the kingdom of God. Your kids watch you. They will live their life for God as well. You will bring the blessing into your home because you are a man of God. Amen? I believe that this teaching encourages you and you shall practice it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for teaching all the fathers and future fathers who are listening to this teaching. Oh, Father, remind them by your Holy Spirit of all this biblical principle and truth and precept that they can learn and they can develop. If they forget, Lord, may your Holy Spirit remind them. May you help us to build a godly home in our church. And our children will grow up to be godly, to fill the earth with the godly thing, with the godly principle, and with the garden of Eden everywhere. May the blessing of Abraham be upon all the obedient fathers who listen to this teaching. And they shall bless the nations. They and their household shall serve the Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. See you in the next teaching. Meet you again. God bless you. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. NewHopeInternationalChurch.com To them all gathered in your name I live to you